The reading comes from Luke chapter 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners to be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. And Romans chapter 8. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. My name is Adam and it's so great to have you with us for our Easter Sunday service. This is the day that we remember and rejoice in the resurrection of Jesus. We remember that on Friday he was crucified on a Roman cross, buried in a tomb, but then come Sunday the tomb was empty The grave clothes were left behind, the disciples were confused, and the world was never the same. In fact, what I hope to show you in our time together today is that the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. For you, for me, for our entire world. And it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter how you've found yourself here today, it doesn't matter what kind of week you've had. The resurrection of Jesus is good news for everyone if we will have eyes to see and hearts to receive. Now, it's fair to say that the year we've had so far hasn't exactly been filled with good news. The year began with devastating drought, which gave gave way to catastrophic bushfires, which gave way to flooding, and now we find ourselves in the midst of a worldwide pandemic. Personally, I'd also have to admit that the week I've had hasn't exactly been filled with good news. On Monday, I had to lead the funeral service for my uncle. And it was heartbreaking to see my grandparents have to bury their oldest son, to see my auntie have to say goodbye to her husband, to have most of my family unable to come because of gathering restrictions, and to see the family that were able to come have to sit apart because of distancing regulations. 
It was heartbreaking. And it really brought to my mind and my heart the significance of Jesus' resurrection. It brought to my mind questions that I'm sure we've all been wrestling with, especially in light of the year that we've had. Questions like, can we have hope for the future? Can we have any assurance about the future? Especially in a world of viruses and funerals and bushfires. And this is why I want us to wrestle with this question today, because I would suggest that it's only Easter Sunday, It's only the resurrection of Jesus that gives us a source of true and lasting hope. Not just in a theoretical way, but real hope for real people living in the real world. The real world of death, disease and disaster. I want us to wrestle with the question, what difference does the resurrection of Jesus make for you, for me, for our world? And this means today, I don't intend to wrestle with the historicity of Jesus' resurrection. I don't intend to answer the question, well, did Jesus really rise from death? Was it a historical reality? Now, that's an incredibly essential question. In fact, if Jesus didn't raise from the grave, then the resurrection means nothing. It hasn't changed anything, not really. And the Bible even admits this. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible says, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, your faith is futile, and Christians ought to be pitied more than anyone else. I mean, the question, did Jesus really raise from the grave? It's really important. And I would suggest that there are really good answers to this question. Answers which we explored last year on Easter Sunday in a sermon which you can find on our website. But today, I don't want to wrestle with the historical reality of Jesus' resurrection. I want to wrestle with the implications of Jesus' resurrection. I want to ask the question, what does it mean for you and for me? How does it change our lives and our world? And this too is an incredibly important question. Especially for those of us who are feeling a little bit lost, a little bit hopeless about the future. And especially because it's my guess that most of us have not really wrestled with the meaning of the resurrection. I'm sure we could explain the meaning of the cross. Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. But what about the resurrection? What does that mean for you and for me? For most of us, I think the meaning of the resurrection is something of a mystery. It's kind of like what I read about J.J. Abrams this week. Now, if you don't know, J.J. Abrams is a a director and he's the creator of the TV series Lost. Now, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but there are six seasons and I gave up after about three seasons. I just couldn't handle it. It seemed to always raise questions that it would never answer or raise problems that it would never resolve. And J.J. Abrams explained why he created the TV show this way. He tells the story about how when he was younger, he was given a a present from his grandfather. It was a cardboard box and it was written on both sides were big question marks. And Abram says that he has never ever opened this box and he doesn't intend to. He preferred the mystery of not knowing what was inside. Now kids, I hope that you're watching today and, and I want you to imagine, would you ever do that? I mean, would someone, if you were given a present, would you never open it? I mean, it seems crazy, right? 
Yet this is what so many of us do with the resurrection. We never open the box. We kind of just think of it as something mysterious that doesn't really impact our day-to-day lives. We never really explore what it means for us. Well, today I'd like us to open the box. I'd like us to explore the, the mystery and the meaning of Jesus' resurrection. And to do this, I'd like to turn our attention to the passage that we read from Romans chapter 8. Now, like we heard on Good Friday, Romans 8 is one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. It just paints this beautiful picture of all that God has done for us in Christ and all that God is doing for us by His Spirit. And what we see in verses 9 to 11, which are the verses we read earlier, is three ways that the resurrection changes our lives. Three reasons that the resurrection gives us unshakable hope. Three verses, three life-changing truths. The first, if you're taking notes, is this. Because Christ died and was raised for us, it means that we belong to God. We belong to God. Now let me remind you of what we read in verse 9. You, however, Paul writes, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. Now, according to this verse, we are all in one of two camps, either the realm of the flesh or the realm of the Spirit. Now, that's a little bit odd, isn't it? So, so what does it mean? Well, it's not comparing and contrasting those who are physical and those who are spiritual. We're all physical and spiritual. No, it's comparing and contrasting those who know God and those who don't. In fact, in verses 7 to 8, the verses immediately before, it says that those who are in the realm of the flesh, they are hostile to God. They don't submit to God. They cannot please God. Now, that's a pretty bleak description, isn't it? But according to the Bible, this is the reality for all of us, no exceptions. Earlier in Romans, we read in chapter 3 that none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. This is the universal condition of humanity. But something decisive has happened to change this reality. And it is the events of Easter. It's the coming of Christ. Because in the life of Christ, we see what God is like. In the death of Christ, our sin is paid for. And in the resurrection of Christ, the way to God is opened. The way for us to come to know God the God who loves us, the God who made us. And this is why Christ came. This is the point of Easter, to bring us to God. But the good news in this passage in Romans 8, it gets even better. Because verse 9 says, the Spirit of God lives in you. God is so devoted to us, He not only brings us to Himself through His Son, He gives Himself to us through His Spirit. This is exactly what Jesus promised before his death and return to heaven. He said, I will ask the Father, in John 14, he said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. When we place our faith in Christ, God places His Spirit 
in us. And the Spirit of God is not an occasional visitor. He does not stay only temporarily as if we were a hotel. No, the Spirit of God takes up residence in our lives. He makes His home in us. He lives in us. God, as it were, places His arms around our lives and He says, You are mine. You belong to me. In fact, a little later in Romans 8, uh, we're told that God adopts us as His children, that we are made into the children of God. You know, Nikki Gumbel is the author of the Alpha Course. This is the course that Ben will be running in a, a couple of weeks' time, which I hope you, you get involved in. He tells the story about the time he went to a, a conference in Hungary, and he met there a, a woman named Ildika. Now, 18 months earlier, Ildika had been a homeless alcoholic. She was living on a street in a town outside of Budapest, but one day someone invited her to the Alpha Course. And on that course, she gave her life to Christ. She experienced the love of Jesus. She was set free from alcoholism. She got herself a job. She started a new life. Now at this conference, Nikki interviewed her and he asked her the question, what difference has Jesus made in your life? And Ildika replied, she said, he's changed me from being a beggar to a princess. And that's what God has done for all of us. We who were beggars, we who were lost, He has made us into sons and daughters of the King. Because the risen Christ has come for us and is with us, we belong to God. But verse 10 actually goes on to tell us that because Christ died and was raised for us, it also means that we are alive though dying. That we are alive though dying. Now, on Monday before Easter last year, my daughter was born. And as I've already told you, on Monday before Easter this year, I buried my uncle. Now, isn't that an accurate snapshot of life in this world? We are brought into this world, we come into this world with no say in the matter. And we will exit this world with no say in the matter. That's exactly what verse 10 told us. It said, your body is subject to death because of sin. In other words, we're all carrying this fatal disease of sin and none of us can escape its consequence, death. We might lift weights, get plastic surgery, we might even eat kale, which is disgusting. But it doesn't ultimately matter. Every heartbeat is one less. I mean, the human mortality rate is 100%. One out of one people will die. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the great British preacher, he said this. He said, the moment we enter into this world and begin to live, we also begin to die. Your first breath is one of the last ones you will ever take. The principle of decay leading to death is in every one of us. Now, I bet you're glad you came to church this Easter, aren't you? But I mean, this is just reality. The book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible, it repeatedly says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. The word vanity simply means mist or vapor. It means life is misty, life is vaporous. It's hard to hold on to and it disappears quickly. Because in the end, death will swallow up everything and everyone. Leo Tolstoy, the, the Russian novelist, he said, is there any meaning in my life that wouldn't be destroyed by the death that inevitably awaits me. I mean, let me ask you this. 
do you know who George Salty is? Now, maybe there's some hands going up, and if you were in front of me, I would ask you to put your hands up, but I don't think I would get many hands. And yet, George Salty has won more Grammy Awards than anyone else in history. What about James Scullin? He was the ninth Prime Minister of Australia. What about, do you know who Adam Shoemaker is? Now again, hopefully, if you're in front of me, hopefully a few hands would be going up, at least maybe my wife and my mum. But if we kind of fast forward 100 years, and if we were to ask that question again from every pulpit all over the world, I can almost guarantee that not a single hand will go up. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Now we can suppress the reality of death, we can try to distract ourselves from it with our phones, with Netflix, with surgery, but sooner or later, death will rear its ugly head in our lives. It might just be that we're getting older, it might be a medical diagnosis, it might be a pandemic, it might be the death of a loved one. But the fact is, none of us can escape death. So what's the answer? I mean, can we have any hope in the face of such a formidable enemy? Well, the answer of Easter and the answer of verse 10 is yes. Look at what verse 10 says. It says, But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Now, what does that mean, that the Spirit gives life because of righteousness? It means that the righteousness we need to stand before God, to have a right standing with God, to enjoy life with God, both now and forever, it has been given to us and purchased for us by Christ. And it is being applied to us by the Spirit. In other words, because Christ has died for us, because the Spirit is within us, though we are physically dying, we are spiritually alive. Though our bodies decay, our hearts delight in the love of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in verse 16, says this, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Or as Ray Ortland, a pastor in America, says, he says, People indwelt by the Holy Spirit still have problems. They still sin, they still make mistakes and have to offer apologies. They still suffer and weep and get sick and die like everyone else. But if God has given you His Spirit, you find within yourself a deepening spiritual mentality. You find that your former hostility to God is melting into tenderness toward God. Once you were defensive, now you are surrendered. Once you thought God would ruin your life, now you know that God is your only happiness. You are now alive to God. You still struggle, you still waver, you still sin, but God is marking you as his own. This is what it means to be alive though dying. This is the good news of Easter, the good news of Jesus' resurrection. It means that we belong to God. It means that we are alive though dying. And thirdly and finally, it means we will live forever. We will live forever. Let me remind you of the stunning words of verse 11. It says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. 
the message of Easter, the good news of the resurrection, it's not just that God has given life to our inner selves, to our souls. It's also that God will give life to our physical selves, to our bodies, because God cares about all that you are. I mean, God does not regret giving you a body. He's not sorry that he made you with a body. As C.S. Lewis said, God must like matter. He made a lot of it. And this is why, as verse 11 teaches us, God will redeem and resurrect our bodies. In the same way that on that first Easter Sunday, all those years ago, God raised Jesus from the dead physically, God will raise us physically. God will give our bodies back, but it will be even better than before. John Piper says this, he says, God created you with a body and he created you for his glory. Therefore, he is going to raise your mortal body, no matter how mangled or deformed or emaciated or disease-ridden. And he is going to make it so strong, so healthy, so beautiful, that when I see it, I will say, your radiance is like the sun. Yes, in you, I see the form and grandeur of the glory of Jesus Christ, who made you, redeemed you, raised you, and glorified you with his glory forever and ever. God is totally committed to you and to your future. And this is why, as Ray Ortland likes to say, we are, going, we are so going to be okay. We are so going to be okay. You know, this week I read about a, a Christian oncologist who has this statement framed on their, the wall of their office. The statement says this. It says, cancer is so limited. It cannot cripple love. It cannot shatter hope. It cannot corrode faith. It cannot destroy peace. It cannot kill friendship. It cannot silence courage. It cannot invade the soul. It cannot steal eternal life. It cannot conquer the Holy Spirit. And you could replace cancer with coronavirus, with a car accident, with civil war, with a catastrophic injury. You could replace it with anything else. Because as Ray Ortland also says, on that first Easter Sunday, a real human being rose up from the worst that death can do with new immortal life surging out of him. And in the risen Jesus, we saw our own future. No more pain, no more medications, no more surgeries, but finally our full capacities, vivid intensity, sweet tenderness, genius intelligence, hilarious humor, awesome strength, and full enjoyment of God and of one another and of everything worthy forever. So getting back to our question from the start, what difference does the resurrection of Jesus make? It makes all the difference in the world. It means we belong to God. It means we are alive though dying. It means we will live forever. It changes everything. And this has been especially true for a, a young couple named Ryan and Amy Green. And I want to close by showing you a little bit of their story. I'd like to show you a, a short clip that's about a, a video game that they made. Now that sounds a little bit odd, but it will make sense as you watch this clip. 
Now, the clip starts with some volume and some intensity, but you will soon come to realize the profound message of their story and of the game that they made. Please watch this clip and then I'll close. The computer games industry is worth more than the movies and the music industry combined. Each year, two and a half billion of us spend $150 billion on games. Games that put you in the driver's seat. Games that make you the hero of the story, as you collect each power-up, ascend through each level, and finally defeat the big bad boss. But one game challenges all that. Its creators, Ryan and Amy Green, have made a game that's hard to play. In fact, it's a game that's impossible to win. Because this game mirrors life. And in real life, you're not in the driver's seat. You don't choose your destiny. And you cannot defeat the big bad boss. Death always wins. That dragon cancer is a memorial to Ryan and Amy's young son, Joel, who for four years fought the dragon of brain cancer and lost. There are many things you can do in the game. The one thing you can't do is save Joel. No matter how you play the game, no matter what courses of treatment you choose, that dragon cancer wins. But then, the screen flashes one more time. Loading. It's another level. You find yourself on a boat crossing over to the other side. And there is Joel. He couldn't avoid death, no one can, but through it, there is freedom, feasting and joy. You cannot win the game, but you can be carried through death to a life beyond it. You see, Amy and Ryan Green are Christians. They believe in a dragon slayer. But the slayer is not Joel. And he's not us. The true hero is Jesus. And at Easter, he took on the final enemy, death. On the cross, he fought to the death. On Easter Sunday, he gained the victory, and everything is now different. As one hymn puts it, death is dead, love has won, Christ has conquered. Life is not a computer game. Death is not a boss we can defeat. But Easter brings news of a hero. One who can carry us to a life beyond that dragon cancer. And even beyond that dragon death. Mm.
Death is dead. Love has won. Christ has conquered. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything. It is the best news in the world. And it can be for you too. God has held nothing back from you. Why would you hold yourself back from him? Why would you not open the box? It has everything you need. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your Son and the gift of your Spirit. Thank you that through Jesus' death and resurrection, sin has been paid for, death has been defeated, and we have certain hope for all eternity. And Lord, for those of us today that don't have that certain hope, I want to invite us to turn to Jesus, to put our faith and our trust in him. God, you have done everything necessary for us And we simply turn from ourselves and we turn to you and put ourselves in your hands. And Lord, there might be some of us here today that would like to do that. And so right now we just say, God, I want to turn from my sin and I want to turn to you. I want to receive what Christ has done for me, what he has purchased for me through his death and resurrection. So that I might enter into the joy of knowing you, God, now and forever. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that because Jesus was dead and was raised again, everything has changed. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let me pray this blessing over you from God's Word in Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you.